Day, January the 10th. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Connor McCarthy is here as well. Good morning, Connor. Good morning. And the Royal Banks, Missouri text lines open 84126. You know, we love to hear from you. Uh, Dr. Joe Molesky from St. Louis uh, Medical Weight Loss will join us in our next hour. If you have any questions, he'll be here at 1135. Greg Willard, uh, KTRS legal analyst and St. Louis University law professor, will join us in just a few minutes to talk about... The, the latest Donald Trump. Yeah, the latest. I'm telling you. Isn't Wendy. it just like a merry-go-round? Like it's just it's just a merry. It's just up and down and every day is basically the same thing with an occasional twist here and there. It, it's hard to keep everything straight. Right. And when I heard McGraw with his caller, Dan, Dan and McGraw were having a difference of opinion on the whole Hunter Biden appearance uh, before Congress this morning and I just thought, is there anything that I feel that strongly about that I would stop what I'm doing in the middle of the day and argue with somebody on the phone? And thank God for that, because that's the basis of what we do here. <laughs> but thank goodness you do. That's exactly right. But I, I, then I don't think there's I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it would be Hunter Biden. That's for sure. But uh, yes. Yeah, so up and down we go. Greg Willard at 1020. Have either. I'm sure you. Both of you have had this experience of watching something on TV or at the movies about which you know nothing going into it. I love that. Oh, me too. And we did it last night. We watched a movie called Good Grief on Netflix that Dan Levy wrote, produced, and starred in. Right. I'm not familiar with this actor. He He kept looking familiar to me. And afterwards, when I looked it up, I see he's Eugene Levy's son. son. And I know I've seen Eugene Levy around, you know... And he was on the one show that you really can't say. Can't say the name. You can't I guess they both were on it. Correct. But good grief on Netflix. Crick, cricks. Um. <laughs> I mean, I with my with my head so confuzzled S-C-H-I-T-T-S right now. S H I T T S is Correct. the name of the family. So Sheets Creek. Sheets Creek. Yeah, <laughs> say it with a French accent. Yeah, Sheets Creek. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And here's the description of Good Grief: An artist grieving the loss of his famous writer husband takes his two best friends on a trip to Paris, where they unpack messy secrets and hard truths. Wow. We watched it. We knew nothing about it. It's not for everyone, because it is a bereaved widower, but. The interiors and the exteriors, even if you didn't like the movie itself, are breathtaking. Ugh. I mean, Paris, London, and these fancy apartments alone. Yeah. I would be saying to Mark, what was that thing in the background? Because one of the apartments is kind of mid-century. And it. we just really enjoyed it. Good grief on Netflix. That's good to know because um, I've seen him being interviewed and I believe – that the um i think the the crux of it was based on the loss of his grandmother and I his wondered. pet he lost a pet that a beloved uh, i think it was a dog for that he had had for many 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 years and so that's kind of an interesting that's kind of an interesting way to work through your grief is to make a movie about it is it a is it a um a satisfying conclusion i we thought so now it i don't think it did that well in rotten tomatoes in the 70 percentile 
But I wondered if this man, Dan Levy, who was only 40, if he had experienced grief. There, there's yeah. so many grief memoirs and grief books out, and I think a lot of people do work through it by writing. But the writing is great. They're one-liners that, you know, make you laugh out loud and will stick with you for people who remember one-liners from movies. But we really, really liked it. Uh, other people might not. You know, not every movie is for every person. But it was just what the doctor ordered for us. Yeah, he is He is really talented and um, I, I think was something of a, a, a wonderkind. I mean, you know, he was pretty young uh, to have sh- – Creeks, Sheets Creek uh, happened for him. I wish I would. I tried to watch that. I watched one episode years ago. I didn't like it. And so many people have said to me, go back. You need yeah. to do it. I think I told you. I think I told you I had the exact same experience because Kate was, um, Kate was, oh my gosh, mom and dad. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You have to, you have to. Blah, blah, blah. And I just, I tried and tried and tried. I think I had, I think I was like five or six episodes in. Really? And I didn't, I just was, I said, kept saying to Chris, I don't get this. And then finally she said, you have to keep with it. I did. And then I got it. Were there more than one season? I think five maybe of um, Sheets Creek. So maybe I'll go back and try again because I... You know, as I said, I'm not familiar with this actor, though he. I kept thinking, gosh, he looks. <laughs> who is he? It's yeah, like I've seen him before, so I don't know what else he's been in besides Sheets, Sheets Creek. Creek. Uh, <laughs> but um, and and you all, I I think a lot of people believe he's Catherine O'Hara's son because a lot of people also believe that Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are married because they have appeared in so many things together over the years. But I think he's she's kind of a surrogate mother um, to him. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is best – I think it's best described as just, um, just heartwarming. It is a sweet, sweet series about life and families and how they navigate it and – I think you'd really enjoy it. I don't know what the magic number is for everybody, though. But apparently there is a magic number because we're hearing from several of our listeners on the text line that it's so good, humorous, one-liners, worth watching, give it a try again. I adore it. One of my favorite shows ever, Sweet and Kind, six seasons. Somebody else says you just have to get beyond the first part uh, and that Good Grief was a great sleeper-type movie. Um, I just love that when I watch something. Oh, the other thing I started watching yesterday, and I'm glad I was watching it on my bike, Society of the Snow, about that plane crash in 1972. Oh, was that in the Andes? In the Andes Mountains, Was that alive? Was it based on alive? I think so. Okay, the the Peruvian Peruvian soccer team. Uruguayan Uruguayan football team. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. crashes and some people survive and it's really grim it's grim it's based on a true story and it's kind of a it would have been hard for me to just sit there and watch it as entertainment and haven't they i mean they've they've there have been several productions i think so yeah yeah um because it was the first time i had ever heard of such a thing uh i remember getting the book for from my weekly reader and feeling like such an adult because I thought, oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> wow. Reader. I forgot about yes. that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, in just a moment, Greg Willard will join us. Uh, Speaking of adults. Yes. <laughs> to talk about some important news. The Jennifer and Wendy Show is brought to you by BetterHelp. And around this time of year, many of us become obsessed with making changes. Maybe, like me, you tackled that messy hall closet I don't know why getting things in order that way makes me feel better. But maybe there are relationships in your life that you feel are draining emotionally and you need some help negotiating them. Well, please give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. They have removed every conceivable obstacle. It is designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule And it is. Here on the Jennifer and Wendy Show, we're big believers in therapy. Therapy can help you find your strengths. So you can ditch those extreme resolutions. Make some small changes that'll really stick. You might want to learn some new coping skills or how to set boundaries with people who zap your energy. BetterHelp makes it easy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapist at any time for no additional cost. So try this. Celebrate the progress you've already made and visit BetterHelp.com slash J&W today. You'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash J&W. Time to check in with the one and only KTRS legal analyst, Greg Willard, St. Louis University law professor. And I will say this to everyone. Good morning, Greg, first of all. Good morning, Jennifer. We all get sick. And when we get sick here at the Big 550, we tell the boss and we tell our (laughs) co-host because somebody has to fill in for us. Apparently, not so (laughs) with our Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. How is that possible that he went off the grid? I I think by from any perspective, political, constitutional, or national security, this was a calamitous failure. Secretary Austin, uh, shortly before Christmas, had uh, surgery for prostate cancer. Um, I know of what I speak this morning. I had the same surgery. Mm -hmm. I am a two-time cancer survivor. I can assure you, Jennifer and Wendy and our listeners, that in probably the day after and maybe two days after that surgery, which was the same surgery that Secretary Austin had, I would not have been competent or capable to serve as recording secretary for my high school student council. So the fact that uh, Secretary Austin apparently went off the grid um, and then about 10 days later developed a serious uh, intestinal and urinary tract uh, infection and blockage uh, and had to go into intensive care. Uh, Finally, yesterday, uh, the president, uh, Secretary Austin's boss, was told that the secretary had been uh, operated on and is still recovering now several weeks later from prostate cancer surgery. Uh, That um, that in and of itself is is gobsmacking. Um, As I said at the outset, there's a lot of perspectives one can bring to this, but the one that... I think should give shivers to all of us. 
We all know that the president has nuclear launch authority. And only the president has that authority. But that nuclear launch authority has to go through the Secretary of Defense, period. Mm. So the fact that there uh, appears to have been significant stretches of time where there was a bust in that chain of command in the most powerful and, and frightening uh, part of uh, our national security arsenal. The fact that there apparently was a multi-day bust should do two things. It should send shivers to our listeners, and it should be a great big kick in the seat of the pants to a whole bunch of folks in Washington to find out what happened and make darn certain it never happens again. Never, Jennifer. Well, one thing that people know, uh, just, you know, having listened to you over the years, is that um, Washington was all about procedure. And, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? And whether it was a Democratic administration handing off to a Republican administration, everyone was on the same page. Is there any way to to figure out exactly what happened here in terms of this breach? Mm-hmm. I, I think so, Wendy. I I think uh, I think uh, it will be uh, sort of figured out. Uh, you've got uh, senators like uh, Jack Reed and others who are really, really serious national leaders, and they are going to get to the bottom of it because it it appears that, uh, remarkably, that there was not a process, both notification and transfer of power process. For example, were this to have happened to the president, we have – Section 3 of the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, where presidential power is passed to the vice president and he becomes or she becomes acting president. And that has happened several times over the years. Well, one would have thought that there was a similar mechanism in place. Uh, The only explanation that I have heard, and an explanation is being charitable, is that the responsibility fell on Secretary Austin's chief of staff, and she had the flu. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'm sorry. When we're talking about the nuclear capacity of the United States of America, the fulcrum ought not to be whether the Secretary of Defense's chief of staff has the flu. So they will get to the bottom of it, Wendy. I think that that is the good news that that's not an oxymoron on this topic. They'll you know, get to the bottom of it, but uh, we'll just have to wait a little while to see that. I guess. You know, Greg, I heard that it's partly because of Secretary Austin's concern about privacy and the fact that he was a military man. But I thought the military was all about procedure and protocol. Absolutely. 
Yeah, that I think that's that's uh, excuses that uh, were being bantied about. I, I don't think we're going to hear that from uh, Secretary Austin. I, I think I think it was a, a as I say a bust on multiple levels. Uh, I, I don't I don't uh, know, but I can't fathom that Secretary Austin would have would have issued an order the day after his prostate cancer surgery and ordering his command to keep it secret. I, I can't fathom that for the reason you just pointed out, given his military background and chain of command. So I think there clearly was just a grievous breakdown. Um, let's hope that Senator Reid and others get to the bottom of it and President Biden so that all 330 million of us Americans can be assured that the continuity in terms of that launch authority will never, ever be compromised again. We're going to take a break, do a little business. Uh, the text line 84126 is open. So many of you always have such great questions for KTRS legal analyst Greg Willard. And when we come back, the uh, perplexing actions recently of Missouri <laughs> Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Sometimes what you need, simple pleasures just to uh, cope with everything going on in the world. May I suggest the Piccadilly at Manhattan? It is the oldest operating restaurant in the city of St. Louis. Nick and Maggie and their daughter Molly are the owners. And the food at the Piccadilly at Manhattan is just fantastic. Maybe because it's the month of January and you don't feel like going anywhere or doing anything and love the month because of that, you can stop at the Piccadilly at Manhattan and pick up some of their food. They started last year what they're calling the Piccadilly at Home. You walk into the restaurant, there's a freezer case right there. They make all of their soups and specials, desserts and sausages, fresh and frozen lasagna enchiladas for you to enjoy at home. The freezer case is on display front and center. But maybe you need a little company. You can walk to the Piccadilly at Manhattan or drive there. It's right, it's in the city of St. Louis, but it's right next to Maplewood in the middle of a residential neighborhood. So you'll see all these neighbors walking there. I would imagine some of them just gave up cooking because the home-cooked food at the Piccadilly at Manhattan is fantastic. They have all kinds of salads. I love the Mayfair salad there, grilled chicken salad, fried chicken salad. If you're um, going on the light side, they have something for vegetarians, really something for everyone. The way they do their salmon is absolutely perfect. The Piccadilly at Manhattan, you can go online, thepiccadilly.com, and see all of the menu. But if you're driving home today and you don't feel like cooking, stop at the Piccadilly at Manhattan and pick something up from their freezer. If you do stop in to eat, please tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you. Oh, things Donald Trump in the news. Is Donald Trump immune from criminal charges? That's just one of many questions that we have, Greg. And tell us what happened at the hearing in Washington yesterday. Yes, the uh, the hearing yesterday uh, emanates from the criminal prosecution of Mr. Trump in the federal district court in Washington, D.C. Mr. Trump has taken the position that he has absolute immunity from criminal prosecution. And he says that the only exception to that is if he is impeached and convicted by the Senate— uh, otherwise, he has said that the criminal laws do not apply to him, period. Uh, the district court in Washington, D.C. Uh, roundly rejected that uh, several weeks ago. 
Mr. Trump took an appeal to the D.C. Court of Appeals, and that court yesterday heard oral argument. Mr. Trump was represented by St. Louis and John Sauer. Um, and Mr. Sauer did, uh, did the best he could with this argument before the three-judge panel in uh, asserting that uh, the criminal laws do not and cannot apply to his client, Mr. Trump, because Mr. Trump has never been convicted by the Senate. What has gotten a lot of attention is a question from Court of Appeals Judge Pan, and she asked Mr. Sauer, on behalf of Mr. Trump, if a president ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate that president's political adversary, could that president be criminally prosecuted? And Mr. Sauer, in keeping with President Trump's position, said, uh, no. He called it a qualified yes. But in effect, he said no, because Donald Trump uh, has never been convicted by the Senate. And in the hypothetical that Judge Pan asserted, she uh, asked that that be assumed. So we had in a federal courtroom yesterday uh, the former president of the United States through his counsel contending that he could have ordered and a president can order the assassination of a political opponent and not be criminally accountable for that. Now, a lot of our listeners may be um, outraged uh, just at the, the mere thought of that, much less that it was uh, presented to three federal judges on behalf of a former president. But there's another aspect that I'd like to just suggest to our listeners this morning, Jennifer and Wendy, that is even more troubling to me. And uh, the journalist John Dickerson captured my thoughts several weeks ago spot on. And it's it's the alarm that that I think I feel when I hear these arguments being made, and I think tens of millions of Americans do also. But what troubles me this morning is, as Mr. Dickerson observed, how do you sound the alarm when everyone has already gotten used to its ringing? Mm. And, Wendy, you talked about it in the earlier segment about how the American people are bombarded daily with the, the, the latest uh, uh, disclosure, the latest recrimination, the latest indictment. Uh, Donald Trump is threatening to make oral arguments in his fraud trial today. Um, at some point, what what is happening? It's it's kind of like sitting in the dentist chair and getting a, a shot of lidocaine or novocaine. You know, I think we have become numb to it. That, to me, in many respects, is as alarming as the underlying issues. As to this case that was heard yesterday, I think we will get the court's decision in a matter of uh, days. Uh, certainly not months. Um, 
And I think uh, if I were a betting man, which I am, I bet that uh, Mr. Trump uh, is going to to lose uh, three to zero. Let me quickly add, and I've commented about Mr. Sauer on the air before. Yes, you think a lot of him as an attorney, correct? I do, Jennifer, and he's a fine lawyer, but um, he he had to uh, advocate for his client, as as difficult as that may or may not have been in terms of what his personal views, as we've talked about on the air. But the the position of absolute immunity from the criminal laws that that Mr. Trump, through Mr. Sauer, was advocating. Um, I think there are similarly tens of millions of Americans who would look at that argument that Mr. Sauer was forced to make and say, well, you can put lipstick on a pig, but this position of Mr. Trump is still a pig. And I think Mr. Sauer did as fine a job as he could before the three justices. But this notion that a that the president of the United States can act with complete and total and absolute impunity to the criminal laws of this nation is so fundamental, so foundational in terms of what that what that would mean if if that is in fact the law. Uh, there, there simply are no words, Jennifer and Wendy. We'll see in a, in a few days what the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals decides. Uh, but I think um, I think our listeners can read the tea leaves as to where it's going to come out. Well, and uh, along those lines, and obviously you have uh, we have limited time with you, Greg. Uh, mm-hmm. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Um, you had, uh, some, some share, you've, you had shared some feelings with our listeners earlier this week. You wanted to circle back to that, didn't you? Well, I did because, uh, young Mr. Ashcroft, uh, you know, his, his father was served with distinction as governor of this state and, and as our United States Senator for many years, but young Mr. Ashcroft, um, uh, for whatever reason, uh, but I think it's probably just sheer politics and trying to appeal to the base for his primary campaign to become governor. Um, he he asserted, in, in, including in discussions with the Post-Dispatch, apparently, that uh, if uh, President Trump is removed from the ballot in, in some of these states, and that is upheld at the Supreme Court level, that he, Mr. Ashcroft, is going to look into going down the same path and as to keeping – Mr. Biden off of the ballot in Missouri. And I had some pretty strong words um, for our listeners uh, several days ago about what I thought about that silliness. What, believe it or not, um, he, he doubled down. You, you can't make this stuff up, Wendy. Uh, he doubled down and he went on CNN. Do not take my words for it, Jennifer and Wendy and our listeners. Go on the CNN website and watch young Mr. Ashcroft's interview where he tries to justify this threat to keep President Biden off the ballot in Missouri. 
And I think whatever side of the aisle our listeners may fall, watching and listening to that interview on national television was an embarrassment to the citizens of Missouri. We deserve better. We are entitled to better. And one can only hope from this complete uh, period of zaniness on Mr. Ashcroft's part that he has learned from this and that he can begin to show a modicum of judgment and statesmanship. Because Wendy and Jennifer, the people of Missouri, sure deserve it. We did not get it the last few days. That silliness needs to stop, and we need to receive from our elected leaders in Missouri, including young Mr. Ashcroft, better, much better. I am wondering if other secretaries of state across the nation are going to threaten the same thing. I don't think so for two reasons. Number one, um, I think uh, they will show much better public service judgment than young Mr. Ashcroft. Number two, uh, as our regular listeners know, uh, somewhat contradictorily, um, presidential elections are not run, if you will, at the federal government level. Presidential elections are run at the each individual state. And among the states, Jennifer, certain secretaries of state for example, in Maine, have the authority to pull or not pull candidates off of the ballot, the primary ballot in their state. For example, in Michigan, the Michigan Secretary of State does not have that authority. So as to your terrific question, I think a combination of, of call it statesmanship, but just judgment on the part of other secretaries of state, unlike Mr. Ashcroft. And then the fact that many states' constitutions do not allow the secretary of state to blue ink cancel a presidential candidate, I don't think we are going to see uh, any more more of similar craziness uh, that the citizens of Missouri have had to suffer the last few days. I don't think we're going to see that in other states, Jennifer. Greg Willard, Uh, (laughs) KTRS legal analyst and St. Louis University law professor. Thanks so much for chatting with us this morning, Greg. We look forward to the next time. Jennifer and Wendy, it's always terrific to be with both of you. Stay safe. Thank you so much, Greg. Uh, For those of you who have been thinking of, oh, I don't know, uh, making a furniture purchase, uh, would we uh, we would love to just suggest to you Miller Furniture. Um, Miller Furniture, Jennifer and I have both purchased pieces from Miller Furniture, and we could not be more over the moon. They are a fourth generation, fourth generation family-owned business with their flagship location located in Belleville, Illinois. They are also in Lake St. Louis at the Meadows Shopping Center right there off the highway. Ellisville off Manchester Road, so easy to get to. And their new second Metro East location in Fairview Heights, Illinois. And this is almost like 
It's almost like a state, 55,000 square feet uh, of, of beautiful furniture in Fairview Heights. Uh, they have the same Miller Furniture quality brands while also featuring the largest luxury mattress gallery and premium clearance section in the St. Louis and Metro East area. And right now at Miller Furniture, what we love about them is they always have wonderful ways for you to save. And when you visit their website, you will see what they're doing for the month of January. It's New Year, New Room, No Tax. And that runs January 4th through the 16th. Details are on that website, millerfurniture.com. Uh, they have dozens of new new collections on display for the new year. Uh, they have over $6 million of inventory on sale. So, yes, when it's cold outside, that is a great time to really warm up the look of your home. And so many of us have realized over the last several years that um, a, a knowledgeable sales staff, was, which was once something that you could really take for granted, you can't take for granted, uh, you can't take that for granted anymore, but you can always at Miller Furniture. I have to say that working with Rebecca and uh, other members of the sales staff at Miller Furniture, that was part of the fun. And then when our beautiful new uh, bedroom furniture arrived, uh, we were just over the moon. We waited a long, long time, and we absolutely love it. Please visit MillerFurniture.com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R, Furniture.com. You'll see their selection, and you'll learn more. And when you go, please tell them that the Big 550 sent you. We are coming up on 1054, so it's time to check in with Ann Flaherty, senior national policy reporter with ABC News, who has more on the story about Defense Secretary Austin and how was it the president did not know until this morning that Defense Secretary Austin had cancer. Ann, thank you for joining us. Hey, happy to be here. There's so many things about this story that are just mind-boggling, including when you're sick, you usually tell the boss. That's exactly it. And the more that we're finding out about this timeline, it's it's almost like the more questions we have. You know, when he was first uh, went to the hospital to undergo surgery, and and he did, he was um, under. Um, why am I thinking of the the? He went under. He general anesthesia. That's right. the word I was trying to think of. He went under general anesthesia, and he did not think to inform the White House or his or its senior staff that were working for him, that he was undergoing this procedure. He actually just basically transferred some of his duties to the deputy secretary, but he didn't say why. Um, And then it wasn't until he ended up back in the emergency room because of severe pain that, you know, people started to get word of this and the Pentagon was aware of it. And even then, nobody alerted the White House on this. So really baffling timeline on this. Well, and the the whole uh, component of, of his chief of staff having the flu it sounds a lot like the dog ate my homework and that you know that is not that's not the way washington runs at the highest level so you have to wonder was there some was there could there have been something um psychological noncompassmentis going on with the secretary that that has yet to be revealed yeah, you know, I think you you hit on exactly what had maybe had happened. I mean, you say it's not supposed to happen in Washington. I would 
would say it's not supposed to happen at the Pentagon. I mean, these guys are usually pretty regimented. The military tends to have its protocols. And it's almost like the Swiss cheese model where you line up the Swiss cheese and all, like all the holes lined up and everything fell through the cracks. So, um, you know, I think with this case, uh, he's a very private man. He's known to be a private man. And I think that, um, you know, had it been foot surgery, it probably would have been more open. People probably would have talked about it more. But because it's prostate cancer, which, by the way, is a very common cancer, um, mm-hmm. particularly over with men over age 55, that I think that they just simply weren't talking about it. And they were trying to give him his privacy. But, of course, you know, this isn't about when, once you get to that level, you don't get that privacy. You're That's a public right. figure and national security depends on you. Well, and Anne, as our KTRS legal analyst pointed out to us this morning, Secretary Austin has nuclear launch authority. And he's under general anesthesia nobody knows it It, that's exactly it and you know it's it's nuclear launch authority it's also you know commanding troops and special operations troops in very sensitive regions around the world there is a lot on this man's shoulders and he needs backup so you know you can't be there at all times he did transfer his duties to a deputy um, but she wasn't told why so uh, you know i think certainly the white house needs to know congress needs to know and the public needs to know we're one of these few countries that we actually do demand transparency Uh, from our our leaders and for exactly this reason, because they work for us. At a time when when this particular administration, because of the age uh, of the president, didn't need something like this, here we go, you know. So um, that, that is unfortunate, Anne. Yep, that's exactly it. But, you know, lots lots more questions. We'll see what the review comes out. The White House says they want to every cabinet member to be looking at their protocols, and the Pentagon is doing its own 30-day review. And Flaherty, senior national policy reporter with ABC News in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us here in St. Louis, Anne. Thanks, Anne. Thank you. If you didn't have that position, I mean, just a regular individual, one, we have to tell our employers we're sick, um, but two, then... Would you want your employer to know? But we're just regular people. You know, we do have some privacy in that regard. I, I'm, I'm still sort of stunned that at that level oh. that the Secretary of Defense <laughs> did not understand as a military, as somebody with extensive military background, that you you just can't say, oh, I'm private. You that doesn't work. Yeah, talk about standard operating procedure. That's right. There is one for yeah, everything. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. We're coming up on Top of the Hour News with Jim Fairchild and more from ABC. We'll be back with the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy show after that. This is the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. Welcome to the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy show on this Wednesday, January the 10th. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do the gospel. I, I, I forgot about. He, I don't it. think he forgot. Me, I think Mark Dorsey came into the studio and Connor told you. Or is representing those in our listening audience, Royal Banks, Missouri. Text line eight four one two six. Who do not like that version? I we're actually, like fifty fifty. I actually like it. I do so, too. You know. Yeah, we not... we definitely have a lot of people who like it. They will not be treated to it today. However, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Because Connor forgot. And for those of you who don't like it, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we listen to everyone. Yes, we do. Um, have you ever been a Housewives fan? Yes. Long time ago. Okay. Which one? Um, 
Do you remember? Because it was it New Jersey, New York. Oh no, it was Beverly Hills. Oh, did you do Orange County? No, but the woman married to the Maurice guy, who I I hear um, Julie Buck say now they are separated. They are separated. I can't remember her name. Kyle. Kyle, Kyle, who is the sister of Kim Richards. They are the sisters. Girl or something. She was in Halloween. Kyle Richards was in Halloween. And her sister was in... Kim some, Richards, you're right, was yeah. Escape so from Witch Mountain. that was the season I watched. But I got tired of watching women fight over a meal, and they never even thank ate the meal. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, because everybody, we were talking about TikTok during the break, and we want you to chime on, in on this, 84126. Um, TikTok has been engulfed, just engulfed, in this whole Real Housewives of... Salt Lake City. I'm sorry. Salt Lake City. That just I don't know why that's so funny to me because you just you you think of these power places like New York or whatever, but I know that these smaller cities are now these huge franchises for the housewives and Salt Lake City apparently is a big one and they've just had what um I think Julie Buck's niece Natalie on Causing a Scene podcast or Causing a Scene pod, whatever her, um, I think it is it Causing a Scene? Causing a Scene. Causing a Scene. Okay. Um, I think that she and her best friend said that it was the best Real Housewives finale of all time. Mm -hmm. Or everybody is of that opinion. But... It reminded me that on the most recent episode of the Hollywood House Lift with Jeff Lewis, he had Real Housewife Julie uh, Cynthia. Is that her name? Julie Cynthia? That can't be right. Um, She had two marriages, two divorces, and she was talking about the toll that the show had taken on her life. And I was really stunned because it was such a moment of of sadness for this woman. It was she was a um, oh gosh, how, Real Housewife of Atlanta, and um, it just it was just a real poignant moment where she's saying that this show has cost her dearly, and so if you are watching it, and obviously Julie is. Julie's been watching, Julie Buck has been watching it for so long that it's fun to hear her talk about it just because she's talking about something that means a lot to her. And I get that. I just don't understand, I guess, the participants when the stakes are that high. What what do you get out of it? Well, money. Is it money? I, I don't know. I saw it when Kelsey Grammer's wife at the time was on it. Yes, I remember that, too. And they were getting a divorce, and I don't know if they knew they were getting a divorce when she agreed to do it, but I thought they were all, or many of them, were actresses or B-list actresses. Like Lisa Renna, who I I know Julie had a, um, she had a, a not terrific encounter with, or most people don't have terrific encounters with Lisa Renna, but... Um, I just a four one two six. If if you can shed any light on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and just the Real Housewives in general and why they are so popular, um, I would I would appreciate it because I don't I don't understand why something 
that would be that costly in a personal sense would be oh, something. why they would agree to do it. I read a couple of Andy Cohen's memoirs, and he said he would never do a Real Housewives of St. Louis. Why? I guess because he comes home to visit his parents, and maybe it would feel like work, but he... You know, he could. We have people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Don't these, like, don't they have to be in, like, glamorous places? I'm surprised that Salt Lake City is, like, what do they and even do? And that's what I, yeah, that's Did what I, I mean. Leave Salt Lake City? Like, uh, this week we're in Miami because that seems like the the more logical place for something like right. that. Mm-hmm. Miami, right. Miami, LA, New York. <laughs> I don't know about Orange County. But I, I agree with you, Wendy. I like hearing, um, Julie talk about it so much, and I don't even feel the need to watch the show. I like hearing Julie Buck's reviews. I feel like Julie could be on The Real Housewives of St. Louis. I was thinking the same would, thing. I think she'd be the number one cast member. I agree. She takes care of her mother. She's engaging. Yeah, yeah. Get Carol on there, too. Her kid. Yeah. <laughs> she has a brother. Yeah, well, sure, yeah. He can show up from time to time. Uh, Connor, I thought of you because in the New York Times this morning, they were they had an article about a group of 20-somethings. They don't call it a book club. They call it Reading Rhythms. It's an event, a reading party. Mm. And this is happening not just in New York City, but readers have to sign up for You don't. I think there's a $10 fee, and they go to either a rooftop or a bar somewhere. They um, read together. Okay. So the first 30 minutes, they get checked in and everything. They read a book of their own choice. They sit there and read for 30 minutes. They take a break. They read for 30 minutes again. And then they turn to whoever is next to them, and they discuss the book they're reading. But we're not all reading the same book. They're not all reading the same (laughs) book. It's an hour of reading. Sometimes they're friends who get together. Like you mentioned, you and your friends Mm -hmm. decided to all read a sci-fi book. Sometimes they're strangers. But it came up, it, it, the idea came from four friends who liked to read. And they said, gosh, they were alarmed at the fact that they were not reading enough because of the allure of their cell phones and too much sure. uh, socializing time. And they said, well, we want to socialize. We want to hang out with our friends and we want to read. So they're doing this in many cities and it's called Reading Rhythms. I think my problem is reading in public I don't even think I like doing that. Like, there's too much going on around me. Mm-hmm. But like reading in a room where we're all sitting together reading, that feels weird. I don't know. Maybe I know we did it in school, but I just I I don't know. Well, it's funny it the other off. the other night when the Michigan game was on, I said to Mark, "Why don't you watch the game? I'll sit here and finish reading this book." And he turned the sound down. I'm like, "You don't have to turn the sound down." And he said, "I could never read a book. You can read with. I can you know, read anywhere. Really and." I'm good at focus. I'm not good at multitasking. And he said he's more squirrel, squirrel, uh-huh. and would get distracted. Uh-uh. And I don't, it's neither good nor bad. It's just what it is that, yeah, I'm capable of doing that. So I'd probably like reading rhythms. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but they said the important thing is, is to get a chair when you walk in with good lower back support. <laughs> and one guy stood ramrod straight reading his book for 30 minutes. Okay. Wow. Well, wow. Well, you know. Better to stand to than each sit. their own. <laughs> yeah, um, the you know the other sort of obvious question about the Real Housewives, dovetailing back to that. Oh, and we're getting lots of comments, Wendy. Is that what women are capable of doing to other women? And this was um, 
there was a, a woman who betrayed where there was some sort of a a website that was dedicated to pulling apart the private lives of these women on this show. And they were, you know, throughout the season, they were devastated by these disclosures and all this other stuff. And where's this coming from? Turns out, as with every horror movie, it's coming from within the house. Like there's somebody, one of their castmates was the one responsible. And I just, I, I try to find the male equivalent of that kind of thing. Hmm. And I, I, I don't understand why, like, girl-on-girl crime or female-on-female, what have you, the, the warfare, it, that, that women do that kind of thing, thinking that somehow that's going to make them look better or, like, their stock is going to rise if they can make somebody else's fall, which is the the whole gist of so many of these housewife programs, but... So it's um, not just like making a movie where all the actors go to the set. Right. They make the movie. They may or may not get along with who they're making the movie with or they fall in love with who they're making the movie with right. and then they go home. Right. It's like it but is like too gorilla. busy to do all that stuff. Correct. They? It's just this is like guerrilla warfare. It's almost like they try to I could see where real friendships would form because you wouldn't know you wouldn't know who to trust, and if you would find somebody that you could trust, you know, then then you would, you know, have a, a terrific basis for a friendship there. But yeah, this is just I I I just don't get it. Well, the other thing, maybe, the other thing I w- wonder about is how many hours do they shoot, and what's their ratio? They say a Hollywood ratio is, tw- and don't quote me on this. We should ask Max or Lynn Denhouse. You shoot. 12 times what you use, 12 to 1 ratio. Oh, my gosh. Whereas if you're doing local news, you don't want to overshoot it because you have to go back and look at all the tape and edit it, have your news report ready within this, you know, your eight or nine hour day. So I wonder how much they shoot for one episode, who edits, what they take out. Are they acting or do they just get used to a camera following them around so they forget? Look at this from the 618, and I think this is so true. A lot of women, this is clearly a woman. My fear of these types of shows is that people actually think that this is how we should behave. You and I know better, but many other people don't realize that this is not reality. Yeah, they call it reality TV. But it's not. It is not. It is not reality. Yeah. But we do have a couple of people. Uh, by the way, someone says, I'm here to pick up a prize that I won on the Carney show. We don't see them. I know we don't. If anybody in the office hears this. Uh, Mark Twain was. I quit watching The Housewives two years ago. All they do is fight, whether they're on vacation or out to dinner. It's embarrassing. It's, it's. I mean, people I, like Andy Cohen. He's very popular. Oh, he's but, so, he's so popular. But, um. But yeah, and he is making an, an and he has he found something that worked, and he found something that was new, which I think is one of the hardest things to do in television, right? I guess so. And I'm trying to think what was the appeal the season that I watched it. There was also a woman whose husband was a plastic surgeon, oh. and when their little kids were on, this was long before COVID. She put masks on them, and little surgeon. Uh, uniforms, scrubs, and masks on her little kids. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, she's protecting her family. This show must have an effect. 
on people's personal lives. But wow. yeah, I got tired of the fighting because I don't think, yeah, you know, I think it gives women a bad name. Laura from Silex, who wants to watch rich women fight over petty nonsense? Yeah, that's um, somebody else says I don't know of a single reason why somebody would want to be on the show except for attention. Honestly, I don't know why women watch other women arguing and fighting. Yeah, I don't like arguing and fighting. Period. But it's a thing. And How about it- it really, it really, if, if everybody could have seen this moment with this woman on Hollywood Houselift, uh, where she was genuinely, um, like, deeply troubled by the impact that the show had had on her actual life. Do you know what I mean? This well, is yeah. not like, like you said, it's not a sitcom. It's not a rom-com it's a it, it's her life right but look at you know um greg willard has, has talked about president ford and there was one snippet of him, president ford tripping or something uh-huh. and everybody said he can't walk and chew gum that was like two seconds out of his day oh yeah but once something like that is played and replayed people get the impression that's all there is yeah yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'll tell you, one of the things that you can definitely say about the Real Housewives, they have beautiful teeth. <laughs> I mean, they yes, they, they really, really do. Uh, maybe it's the, uh, the... They maintain their looks they and main, their teeth. They maintain their looks. And you can do that without being a Real Housewife here in St. Louis. You can go to Baldwin Dental Care because they are the official dental care team of the Jennifer and Wendy show. Whenever Jennifer and I are throwing tables at each other, we always take a moment (laughs) to compliment each other's pearly smiles. And those pearly smiles, the pearly whites, we receive from going to Baldwin Dental Care. They are located on Manchester Road, as you might imagine, uh, right there in Baldwin. When you see the Welcome to Baldwin sign, you are there. You're right next to the parking lot. Uh, Always plenty of parking. They have done everything they can possibly do to make it an anxiety-free experience for you. They hand you a comfort menu when you walk in the door so they see what you like, what you don't like, and every single visit is tailor-made for you and uh, designed around the answers that you have on that questionnaire, on that comfort menu. Uh, They have daytime or they have weekend, I should say, and evening hours to make it even Less anxiety filled for you. You can always get an appointment. Give them a call, 636-227-2552. That's 636-227-2552. And when you tell them or when you call them, please tell them that Jennifer and Wendy sent you. On this day in 1967, Charlie Pride became the first African-American solo singer to perform at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. He sang this song, Just Between You and Me. So I feel so blue, sometimes I want to die. And so I've got a broken heart, so what? Say that time will heal all wounds in my sin men And I know that someday I'll forget and love again 
got my doubts about it Cause just between you and me You're too much to forget Charlie Pride was only the second African-American ever to take the Opry stage. The first was harmonica player DeFord Bailey. He performed there as part of the regular cast from 1929 to 41. And Charlie Pride grew up in Mississippi, part of a sharecropping family. He always said one of his few pleasures was listening to radio broadcasts from the Opry. Most of his friends and family were listening to the blues. I loved him. I do, too. Absolutely <laughs> loved Charlie Pride. Our quote of the day is from, her name is Joan Acocella, a long-term or long-time New Yorker critic, I should say. She died over the weekend at the age of 78. Alexander Schwartz wrote of her, the writer was funnier no one was funnier or more original. On the page, her erudition was melded to the frankness that was so unaffected as to seem effortless. She liked her diction blunt, earthy, threaded with startling touches of beauty. She described her own style best, and this is the quote. I like a little sand in my oyster. Isn't that great? <laughs> What's her name again? I haven't heard Joan Acocella, a New Yorker critic, longtime New Yorker critic. But you know that she that she's I like a, little, a little sand with my oyster. A little salty, if you will. So yeah. <laughs> so this one's for you, Miss Joan. She died at the age of seventy eight. Well it. done. Love it, love it. You know, finding the right memory care community. It can be a daunting task. How do you choose the right provider for your loved one? Will you look for the experts? And it really does take a village. Park Provence offers the most advanced care available for both dementia and Alzheimer's disease. They provide a quality of life and have programs that nurture the mind, the body, and the spirit. They are led by an experienced team of medically trained professionals. They maintain a total of approximately 200 employees therapists, social workers, nurses, and other disciplines on site to serve 120-plus residents. And that is the highest staff-to-resident ratio in the industry for both the daytime and the evening shifts. And if you talk to the families of the residents at Park Provence, they will mention that ratio first. Park Provence is locally owned, and as Wendy and I both learned, because we had parents in senior communities out of town, that just makes it so convenient. If you have a loved one in Park Provence and you have a concern, guess what? There are people on site who are local, they're dedicated to our region, and they're there to serve families and to be there for you and answer any questions that you might have. It's a safe, supportive environment. So if you are ready to consider a residential community for your loved one or for yourself, Park Provence encourages you to spend time considering the various options available to you because no two memory care communities are the same. Look closely at that medical care expertise, the activity programs, the ambiance, and daily living options because Park Provence understands 
how important this decision is, and they are ready to answer all of your questions. So call Andrew or Michaela at 314-542-2500. You can learn more. You can schedule a tour. Tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you. You'll receive a special offer. Dr. Joe Maleski is here in the studio with us from STL Medical Weight Loss. If you have any questions for Dr. Joe, the Royal Banks of Missouri text line is open at 84126. Dr. Joe, welcome back. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at STL Medical Weight Loss. Yes, yeah, so um, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm a primary care physician, board certified. I got into medical weight loss about 17, 18 months ago because I realized the need for patients to get down on their weight. You're seeing that in the hospital setting. So patients get admitted to the hospital and you're looking through their medical history. You're looking at, wow, you're on 15 meds. You're 45. You're here with a heart attack. What went wrong? And then you go back into the data and you're like, wow, all of these chronic conditions are rooted in one thing and that's obesity. So I felt like being a St. Louis native, I you know grew, grew up, went to, you know, Bishopburg High School, I felt like I needed to do something for the community. I needed to get people right with their health. I, I, you know, I went through medical school, 12 plus years of being dedicated to this, you know, practice. And I decided, you know what, I need to get people the medication they need, the education they need to get down in their weight to save lives. And so that's what I did. I, you know, uh, ventured away from the hospital setting in my primary care practice, invested all of my time into promoting STL medical weight loss and better health for the St. Louis community. So we, you know, we always hear about doctors who get so frustrated with mm-hmm. that that reality yeah. that you just outlined. So you decided to, as you said, you know, take action. Yes. Um, is this something that is going to be more effective for a certain segment of the population when it comes to age? You know, where it's easier. It's a it's an easier transition, or is it easy for everybody, Doctor Joe? Yeah. So what I've noticed is it doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, a lot of people, you know, it's very easy to do, and the medication it just works, and I, I love that. I mean, if I, what I always tell patients, everyone's busy, and I don't want to waste anybody's time, and. These medications, they work. I have 900 plus patients on these medications ranging from age, you know, in in mid-20s, whether they need to lose 10 or 15 pounds, to men and women that are in their 40s and 50s, even 60s, that they realize, hey, you know, I'm I'm approaching retirement or whatnot, and I, I don't want to be on all these meds. Is there anything I can do? And I've seen that, that it works for all ages. The medications are injected once weekly. We provide informational videos. We have, you know, a support line. We have a great team that works with us. And you can do it from the privacy of your own home. I love that. And patients love it. Medications are directly shipped right to your door. And it's just there. It's concierge. And patients just have uh, loved our our program. So you give yourself a shot? Correct. So they, they typically will send a vial with syringes. You're able to draw the medication up. Or you can have the option of pre-filled syringes. And the medications are like little diabetic uh, needles. They're this, this, the needles the size of like a human hair, and it goes right under your skin. You can do it in your belly, the back of your arm, or your thigh, and it's injected once weekly. It's a very small amount too. You're not, you're injecting a very small amount. And then the medication works within about 24 to 48 hours. You'll notice like, wow, like I'm not having food cravings and I have more energy and it lasts throughout the whole week. So there's not something you have to take every day to remind you of like, hey, I'm on a weight loss meds. Just once a week, you time it. Most people do it on like a Saturday night or a Sunday. And then they do it the next week and then you get on with your life. And uh, it, it's, it just works. Well, we, we hear about the healthcare system being in crisis for yeah. all, again, for all of those reasons. 
it's kind of amazing when you think of looking forward yeah. with all of these healthy people, healthier people. Yeah. You know, what kind of a positive impact is that going to have on the healthcare industry? Yeah. And, you know, I, I do believe that we have a lot of medications that treat, hey, you get high blood pressure, we'll give you high blood pressure meds. You have diabetes, we'll give you a med for that. We'll give you a med for that. And then the patients get this huge laundry list of meds. And then they, t- you know, I get all the, you know, always the question, is there any side effects to these meds? Well, yes, it's mainly nausea. It slows your GI tract and you feel, you know, a little bit fuller, a little constipation or, you know, at times, which we can treat. But all these other medications that you're on, the interactions that you have, you just look it up. It's crazy. The medication interactions that you have, if you're on a whole host of medicines, I mean, some of them, you know, you can't even pronounce the the, the side effects. And, you know, patients, uh, they're happy when they get on the meds. And then their metabolic disease, which is the high blood pressure, the, the obesity, the high elevated blood sugars, and the high cholesterol, that starts being reversed. And they're like, Dr. Molesky, I don't need my thyroid meds. I don't need my blood pressure meds. This is a life changer for me. And that's what I love. The name of the medications. Yeah. So semaglutide uh, or trizepatide, the name brands are like Wigovi, Ozembic, or Manjaro, or Zepbound. Uh, so those are the names for them. And these medications, injected once weekly, they're injectable peptides. They're like naturally occurring, actually, after you eat a meal. They are naturally occurring to help you calm your mind and say, hey, I'm full. So imagine if you're obese and you don't have enough of these, which the studies show that obese men and women don't have enough, that's allowing them to overeat. If you were just able to inject a little bit more, you weren't, you wouldn't have those food cravings. You wouldn't have that slow metabolism. We're literally working with nature, guys. That's what we're doing here. How long have these medications been used for diabetes? Because a lot of people will recognize the yep. Ozempic commercials. Oh yeah, and that was originally for diabetes. Yeah. When did the switch happen where people realized it helped you lose weight? Yeah, it's about three or four years ago where. You know, the craze was, you know, they're seeing diabetics on these meds, their A1Cs, and their blood sugar numbers are better. What's an A1C? So an A1C is an average blood sugar number mm-hmm. that diabetics trend over a 90-day period. Typically, we like to have that less than 6.47 range to say you're a controlled diabetic. So what patients were seeing is like, wait, these weight lo- these uh, uh, diabetic meds, they're keeping the diabetics in check, but wow, we're seeing like... 40, 50 pound weight loss. So what's what's going on? So what's great is over the last couple of years, uh, they became FDA approved. Manjaro or trizepatide that I prescribe, that just became FDA approved within the last couple months. So these medications are FDA approved. And what's great about it is they work with the natural biology of your body. They're not stimulants. They uh, have very, very low side effect profile, mainly being nausea. And Guys, it just works. Don't think that you can do diet, exercise, and do this weight loss journey alone. I I tell patients, guys, weight loss is hard. And if you think that you're just going to go online and look at a diet, guys, diets, I hate to tell you, they don't work at times. And you need something to give you a boost to get you over that hump, get your confidence down, get, you know, 20 pounds down, get the aches and pains off your knees and joints, and then you can keep going. You can go to the gym and then do all this other stuff. I think lifestyle interventions is great, diet and exercise, but you need that tool, and this tool is what we prescribe, semaglutide, trizepatide. It works, guys. Tell us about the uh, Share Your Health community. Yeah. So the Share Your Health community, I decided I would like to have a Facebook uh, uh, you know, community or a group that everybody that's going on this journey, why not have everyone connected and they can join this group and uh, you know, share stories and 
encouragement and be like, hey, this is what I did. This is the, you know, the diet that I chose. You know, the meds caused me a little this and that and just have that connection. And what we do on the Share Your Health community, it's very simple. You can go on my website or on Facebook, Dr. Joe Molesky, and you can just hit join. And then every two weeks, we have a call. We do giveaways of the meds. We do Q&As with Dr. Molesky. And so it's a community because I feel like the wealth in a practice or any business is the community. Well, let's talk about costs. I was listening yeah. to a podcast yesterday about Ozempic with yep. a reporter who'd been covering it from the beginning. And the reporter was saying, well, it's possible only rich people will get a chance to be thin because she was saying it costs $10,000 a year. I don't know what drugs, yeah. which ones of these she was talking about, mm-hmm. but it's not covered by insurance, is it? Yeah, there's a lot of medications that are starting to get approved for like the weight loss meds for, uh, you know, the, the, there's the, we're, we're in process of it. It's hard because what happens is is the insurance companies approve it. Well, then the pharmacies have to get the meds in, and then sometimes they don't have the dose. And so when I started this program and this practice, I wanted patients to be able to order, get the meds, and get started. What I found is when I started using the insurance route, what happened was is patients would then get locked in at the pharmacy, meaning they wouldn't be able to get the dose then. They're like, well, due to, due to the supply chain, we don't have the dose. And then patients were getting frustrated. Like, Dr. Molesky, I started on this med. Now I'm not able to get it. Where we're different is we provide compounded medications that these medications that you're able to get any dose you want. You don't have any hiccups in your program. And th- as far as the cost goes, our medications, we make it so affordable compared to the thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars $1,400 you're going to pay a month. With us right now, we're offering a special for the first two months. If you mention Jennifer or Wendy, you're going to get $200 off your order. So you can get started for as low as $399 per month, and then we can extrapolate that to do a 90-day program. So a 90-day program, you could get thirteen dollars to $1,500 for 90 days, not one month. So I'm trying to lower the barrier to entry for patients because I don't believe that if you're rich, only the rich are going to be thin. No, no, no. I want to make this to where everybody is able to afford it. We also have payment plans. So I'm doing everything to make sure patients get the accessibility, they have their privacy, and then they can afford it. So we can work with you. And just for our listeners who are on Medicare, so far Medicare does not cover this, which is, you know, Medicare, there are a lot of things it doesn't Mm -hmm. cover for older adults, which it needs to. What about uh, the side effects? A listener is asking, do they eventually go away? And you mentioned there are certain medications to battle the side effects, which most drugs have. Yeah. So the biggest side effect, as I said, is nausea. And so if you're on the medication for, say, you sign up and you're on it for 90 days, probably by the first week or two, it starts to dissipate. As you go up on the dose, you can get a little bit of nausea, but it's not something where I'm seeing patients like, Dr. Molesky, I'm throwing up. I can't handle this. That is very rare. Most patients in the first beginning doses, first couple of months, they're like, I don't feel anything. And then most patients, if they go up to the high doses, say you need to lose 30 to 60 pounds, we can provide a medication prophylactically that's you know, called Zofran, and that can help mitigate those uh, feelings of nausea. And the reason you're feeling nauseated is because your GI tract is slowing down, you're feeling fully longer, and you just have to eat smaller portion sizes, still healthy foods, just smaller portion sizes to combat that. And we can provide the guidance. And do you have to stay on these medications for life? No. Uh, If you need to lose 20 pounds, you can see looking at 90 days. You need to lose 50 to 60 pounds, you might be looking at 8 to 12 months. And then once we get down on your weight, we can develop a personalized custom maintenance plan where you're on it every other week, once a month, and then you get off of it. And this is another question. People are like, if I get off the meds, am I going to gain the weight right back? The studies are not showing that. And my patients, the 900 plus patients, we're not seeing that. 
we are not seeing that like, oh, I get off of it, boom, the weight comes back. We're not seeing that. And save it. They've gotten good habits going. Correct. And uh, what happens is you learn better habits because obesity is a disease of poor habits. And by the you know four month mark, you're like, wow, like even though I'm off the medicine, I learned my habits. My mind's calm. I don't have these food cravings like I can get through this and I'm down 30 pounds. And so now I want to go to the gym. I think that's what I trust to patients. Patients need something to get them through the 20, 30 pound hurdle that they've been battling. And then they're like, whoa, okay, now I'm in, I'm excited. I'm energized to do this. I mean, once you get results in anything we do, it's like it gives you encouragement. Positive reinforcement. Yeah. And, it, and that's what I see commonly. I think this is what you just answered, Dr. Joe. Can you dosage intermittently as needed after the yep. initial weight loss goal? 100%. Is okay. And we okay. work with you. Even if you're like, look, I started at the lowest dose. Can I go lower than that? Yeah. Like, that's the customized plans. And it truly calms the mind. And it, it helps with some with some patients that have struggled with weight. Just the medication alone just calms their mind. It's like, wow, like, if I don't have this, I get anxious. Like, about food and this can calm the mind and you can learn better habits guys it's a phone call away i mean patients have had incredible results and i highly recommend in 2024 you put yourself first because we're going to put you and make you a top priority we'll give you the phone number and website in a moment where is stl medical weight loss located dr maleski yeah we're located in obviously st louis missouri and we have focused on a telemedicine based practice so we don't have a brick and mortar you can't come in and necessarily see us but we have a telemedicine because weight and weight loss is a private thing. Most patients are like, hey, I want to do this from the privacy of my home. I'm busy and I want the medication shipped to my door privately and I want to do this. I don't want to have to sit in a line, see my neighbor at the you know weight loss clinic. And I realized that I actually had a brick and mortar in uh, Bridgeton, Missouri and patients are like, hey, I want to I want to see you telemedicine because it works for me. And that's what we decided to do is it's all 100 percent telemedicine based. We've been doing this over a year. And uh, yeah, give us a call. I mean, that's that's the easiest way to get started. STLmedicalweightloss.com. Well, the website is STLmedweightloss.com or you can call 636-628-6604. And if they mention Jennifer and Wendy, $200 off, guys. Sounds great. (laughs) Dr. Molesky, thank you very much for joining us. And I'll tell you who can help you with your money is Jeff Zufall from Capital Advisory Group. He has a radio show here every Saturday at 3, every other Sunday at 7 a.m. with Josh Gilbert from the Heidi Glau Show. And they talk about your money, how to save it, how to invest it. And Capital Advisory Group can help you with your taxes. The radio show is called Keep What's Yours because several years ago, Jeff Zufall discovered Some of his new clients had overpaid their taxes. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to be prepared. 636-394-5524 is the number for Capital Advisory Group. You can look them up online, capitaladvisorygrp.com, or get to know Jeff Zufall on his radio show every weekend here on the Big 550, Saturday at 3, every other Sunday at 7. The show is called Keep What's Yours. You ready to go on a trip to Italy? How does that sound? Why not join me at Altair Travel in their living room on January 30th at 6 p.m.? And we'll talk about it. 11 people have already signed up for the trip. We leave on September the 4th. And this is thanks to Colette and Altair Travel. And as you know, if you've traveled with us before, they take care of all the details, flights, meals, hotels, sightseeing, local experiences, 
Our only job is to have fun, so don't miss out. Join me and the folks from Colette to learn more on January 30th, 6 p.m. in the Altair Travel Living Room. You can RSVP by calling our friends at Altair Travel. You can ask for Lori or anyone who picks up the phone, say that you want to come to the cocktail party on January the 30th at 6 p.m. because you're interested in Tuscany. 314-968-9600 or go to ktrs.com to learn more. I don't think I'm going to try to learn Italian. Still, I was going to say, no, no, good I'm still grief. listening to You're my still, French. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, I mean, I would, are there French people in Tuscany? I mean, I would Probably imagine there's. when we went to the south of France, they were such an Italian influence. Yeah. Because they're so close. Um, I think as long as you can say, you know, point me to the cheese and wine. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. Go You're, to a farm where they make cheese. I and, know. I yeah, know. How fun. It'll really be really looking forward what to it. What is the name of the movie that ever was it Under the Tuscan Under the Sun? Tuscan Sun. Oh my gosh. And you've seen that, I'm I sure. I have not. I read the book. Oh. You know, I need to start watching movies. Like, let's face it, that I'm is, pop culturally deprived. You will love that movie. Mm-hmm. It is definitely in your wheelhouse. Diane Lane is. She has just never been better. Well, we were talking about the movie Mark and I watched on Netflix yesterday called Good Good Grief. Grief. And part of it takes place in Paris. And just all the shots of Paris are so... The movie is beautifully shot. Even if you didn't care what was going on in the movie, the interiors and the shots of Paris are just absolutely gorgeous. It'll make you want to go there. I would think that being in Paris has to be... Such a like almost like an interior earthquake to to see your I mean to know that that there's the Eiffel Tower and the movie takes place at Christmas in Paris. Oh boy, love oh, it. Boy. John Carney, Julie Buck, up next. Everyone, thanks. Ah. Just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started.